1: Good morning everybody and welcome to Coffee and Football presented by Rick Vavro and Austin Underground. I'm with Blake Monroe where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel and lots to talk about. Still lots of news going guys. But it just hasn't stopped since last week it seems like. And let's start with the portal. And uh let's first talk about J- Jabbar Mohammed, obviously the corner out of Washington. CJ, what's the latest there?
2: Yeah, Jabbar Muhammad, talented All-Pac-12, second-team cornerback out of Washington, entered the portal, and there's immediate interest from the Texas side of things, obviously, with family ties with uh, Malik Muhammad and Billy Walton, both of whom are uh, related to Jabbar. Uh, He came, or I guess he arrived on campus yesterday around noon for his official visit to Texas, Uh, was quickly greeted by Manny Muhammad and, and a couple other Longhorns as he was entering the building, and then I mean, it, it was all Steve Sarkeesian there. It was all Steve Sarkisian leading around Jabbar Muhammad throughout the facility, checking out the stadium, uh, really taking hold of that lead uh, recruiting aspect for Jabbar Muhammad, who uh, made it in <coughs> yesterday, excuse me. Uh, talented prospect. We've obviously talked about the corner and the safety and the, really the entire secondary room and the revamping it's taken after six players entered the portal uh, following – uh, the big 12 championship game Jabbar Muhammad would certainly be a piece of that. Uh, I was actually looking over the numbers today and there's a lot of, uh, you know, reason to be excited about his potential to join the Texas program
0: on top of hey, that. Hey CJ, what, what is, I, I, I don't want to, what is the, what is that potential? Because I wanted to ask that because a, a lot of people, and I'm sorry to break in on, on your train of thought, but like, how does he fit? And because Terrence Brooks is returning uh, you've got uh, Manny Muhammad returning. You've got J- Jade Barron that wants some snaps at corner. Andrew Makuba could be a, a, a nickel or a safety. How does Muhammad even fit in here? Because it, it almost feels like qu- the, the qu- people qu- question the idea of, is this overkill maybe? Is it or, you know, a different situation in your opinion?
2: I certainly think it's, you know, a fair question to ask. You know, you talk about the wide receivers and how are you going to get all the, these talented folks on the on the field? Well, and at, at the safety sp- – or excuse me, the corner spot, it's the same conversation. Jabbar Muhammad had almost 1,000 snaps on the field this past season. 760 of them came outside. He had 110 on the interior and the rest were kind of dispersed around inside the box and that uh, free safety in certain situations. Uh, you know, situations, but he is a true outside guy. He's not necessarily one that has a lot of experience moving around, though he does 110 last year at the slot, but he's going to be battling Malik Muhammad. And obviously Terrence Brooks for those snaps, Gavin Holmes in the fold fold as well at the outside cornerback position. That is something that I don't think you'll see a lot of position versatility with Jabbar Muhammad, like you will uh, in Andrew Makuba, or even a Jade Barron who has proven to be able to drop back to, to free safety or, or out wide to outside corner. It muddies the water for Jade Barron to move around to the outside as well. So it's another body out there, but it's another proven body. Uh, I was looking at it. Jabbar Muhammad this past season had was targeted 83 times, allowed two touchdowns at 13 PBUs, and allowed just a completion percentage of 51.5%. The only Longhorn on the roster this past season with a better completion percentage against was Terrence Brooks at 44 so he is certainly in that elite category, and you see the pro, the accolades starting to come in as an all-pack 12 uh, you know uh, caliber cornerback. That's exactly what you're getting. I think he would be on the field a lot on the outside. I don't think you are moving him around a whole lot to the nickel, to the safety, to the box, whatever it might be. He's an outside guy through and through. Oh. And by the way, before I uh, transition off, he is slated to visit uh, Alabama later this weekend and a, and a visit to Georgia is expected to be in the works. I'm not sure if there is an, uh, an official timeline set for him to get up to Eugene just yet. To, to Georgia or to Oregon? Oregon, sorry. Yep,
0: sorry. Got it. Yeah, yeah. you know, the other one that we need to talk about, I appreciate it. I, I did, I'm sorry I interrupted you there, CJ, but I wanted to get that out there because a lot of people have been asking us, is what Texas is doing in the portal overkill. And I think that's a that maybe that's a topic we take take on today a little bit and address it, especially at the receiver spot, okay? Because that, that's one that I, w- I want to talk about. Uh, but I also want to mention and, and talk about Amari Nyblak now, uh, the tight end out of Alabama, as well as Ben Eurosek, uh, the uh, tight end out of Stanford. Uh, both guys expected to visit Texas, the timing of which is interesting. Uh, right now, Nyblack has not visited anywhere else uh, and is on the clock a little bit. He's a little bit, he's situated differently than Eurosic. Uh, Nyblack has to make a decision in the next week to two weeks about where he's going to go to college. Eurosic does not visit or does not uh, uh, have to commit anywhere or change schools because he's going through March uh, to graduate from Stanford. So, there's two different uh, guys here that have different timelines. I'm being told right now there's a sense of urgency uh, with Amari Nyblack and that recruitment. Uh, could it come down to this week or this weekend? The answer is absolutely yes. And Texas is absolutely pursuing him and he is reciprocating interest. To what level? We've yet to see. Okay. The proof will be in the pudding if he makes the visit, et cetera. But there is reciprocation there. The two sides are absolutely talking at this point. Okay. So uh, that is great news for Longhorn fans who are looking for a uh, tight end to uh, kind of transition away from JT Sanders uh, to someone that can spread the uh, stretch the field, uh, stretch the field for them out of that position. Uh, ben Yarosic uh, expected to visit Texas sometime in the future. No definitive date set, as of, at, to my knowledge. As of yet, I spoke to his agent on the phone on Wednesday. Uh, so that, that's where it is right now. Uh, it's uh, interesting because Texas has not only got those guys coming, they're also looking for a defensive lineman who is not in the portal yet. There's no greenlit defensive lineman in the portal at this point in time. Uh, but uh, a lot of different guys that uh, that they're looking for right now uh, in the portal. I, I, I got to ask you guys, I, I don't know if y'all saw the brouhaha about uh, Rodney Terry yesterday. Uh, Blake but I got to catch the last five minutes of the game last night and it was not a pretty last five minutes and then it maybe ended a little
1: uglier than that yeah yeah I I actually didn't get to see I was calling some high school games in basketball on the radio but when I got home it was all over social media what had happened um, you know especially with them getting on to the UCF players for doing the horns down as soon as they won and I guess, you know, maybe talking a little trash, telling them, Hey, don't do that. It's disrespectful. Of course I'm saying it a lot nicer than what he said out there, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on it. You know, like I, I get where he's coming from, from a coach's standpoint, like be respectful, win or lose hundred percent. I'm hundred percent behind that at the same time though, it, it, you know, it, it's younger kids. It's college basketball. Kids are going to talk trash. So yeah, I, I see both sides of it. I don't know what y'all's thoughts are on it.
0: My thoughts are it's not his player. They're, they're not his players. And so if I were Johnny Dawkins, the UCF head coach, I'd be like, hey, don't be talking to my players, dude. That That's me. Now, that that also shows that Rodney Terry has an immense amount of pride uh, for the University of Texas. So I'm, pri- I'm, I'm happy about that, right? Um, the negative is he's 0-2 at home. Uh, he's lost the last two at home. I mean that's the real nexus of the problem. Right? It's not this other stuff I think is window dressing and happens because you lose. Uh in, in you know in a way if he hadn't have lost that wouldn't have been an issue. So I I look I'm wishing for the best for for Rodney Terry. Right now they got to figure out how to get some offense that doesn't uh, just uh, revolve around Max Acuña shooting from 30 feet. Up one with five minutes remaining and then you go scoreless for four minutes yeah that that's that's their problem that's a that's a basketball problem
1: not a uh not a horns down problem yeah 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 no doubt about it guys well hey i want to bring this up because this is a hot topic in the chat And my apologies i fixed my microphone issues i think but i got a couple people commenting on that but i think we're good to go now but Rex St. Charles and a couple other people said Rick Neuheisel on his radio show just now on SiriusXM alluded to Alabama opening an investigation into Texas for tampering. That's kind of rich in my opinion anyway, number one. But number two, I mean, what? I don't know. What do y'all think? I
2: think for for Alabama, this is new territory for them. With <laughs> players leaving, you know, this isn't necessarily been something that they've been used to and no. they're seeing a lot of it right now so that's uh you know uncommon ground for the tide and specifically you know their fan base as well that's not something they're used to uh i i i don't know you go back to Jer- jameer gibbs leaving georgia tech and immediately enrolling in alabama you go back to jermaine burton leaving georgia going straight to alabama and there's certain cases in which it's the you know the, the coin has been flipped and you know it was, it was all hush hush out of tuscaloosa then so
0: I, I I wouldn't look too much into it. Sour it was, grapes. That, that's exactly it. Yeah, sour grapes, CJ. I think you're right. Um, you know, it, it's here's what the reality of it is too. Is Texas is not look. Texas is being very aggressive in the portal. They've shown that multiple times across multiple players. It's not about they're not going in recruiting players off of other rosters. But as soon as a player goes in the portal, Texas is interested. And I, I will say this, um, you know, I, I feel like Alabama is being caught off guard because they were, uh, they had it great. They didn't have to pay uh, NIL money as much as other teams did because they had Saban sitting there saying, I've made my kids a billion dollars in the NFL. Come come, be tutored by me and and take the long money over here. Now they have Kalen DeBoer, who is a great coach, by the way, I mean, they should be excited about their coach but he doesn't have the legacy factor that they can lean on okay that's <laughs> roll tears, roll. i love it um uh you know my point being uh, it's a new day and age in college football and it's adapt or die uh if if texas tampered then texas tampered i don't think i don't think they did i, I don't see why they would have to you know that's that's all there is to it uh, in this day and age. What happens is these guys have agents who call around, uh, doing conversation, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they can't, you know, they can't speak for the player. So it's not tampering. I mean, it's just it, unless Isaiah Bond called Texas and, and Texas took the call, I just don't see it. So,
2: yeah. And and didn't Isaiah Bond say to Pete Thamel right away, you know, I, I wanted to go play with another highly, you know, rated draft pick quarterback? Yep. And I wanted to be competitive. Well, Texas is the only team with a returning quarterback aside from Jalen Milrow, but the you know, uh, that was in the college football playoff this past year, but the coaching turnover is the exact reason why he ends up leaving Alabama. So it feels pretty clear.
1: Yeah. Okay, guys, we got a super chat going back to basketball for a second from Jeff Carey. Thank you, Jeff. He says, we're not making the tournament. Terry may lose a job. I don't see that happening that quick unless the season just tanks out. What do y'all think? Well, I think he may not make the tournament. Yeah, I do agree with that. <laughs> I do agree with the first part.
0: Yeah, uh, Terry may lose his job. I, I kind of think that that would be relatively quick to pull the trigger, um, in my opinion. Uh, look, he, he needs to he needs to find a way to generate some offense uh, that's consistent and doesn't revolve around uh, dribbling the ball 30 feet from the rim. I, I, look, I'm not a basketball, uh, you know... I, I, I'll just say this. I think it's hard on offense if two of your five players on the court can't create any offense for themselves in the final five minutes. Um, Brock Cunningham is a glue guy, Dylan Mitchell is a glue guy. Okay. But those guys uh, taking up potential scoring positions late in games, you need one glue guy, not two. And I, I think that that hurts Texas late in games right now. Yeah.
1: All right, we're going to move on here. Uh, well, we kind of go actually go back to the portal talk. Kyle says if they take another tight end, especially if they take another tight end, would they really have six tight ends on scholarship?
0: That's not an abnormally high number. Uh, not at all. I mean, four to five is normal. One extra is not not huge, and you could look for uh, some potential. Uh, some potential attrition
1: there, you know, don't, don't count that out. And then Joseph and Bobby, I know you've explained this a couple of times, but obviously not everybody can watch every episode. Joseph says, how long do these poor transfer guys have to decide before school starts? Do they not need to be enrolled in the next week or so? Hey CJ, when, do you know when
0: uh, add ad drop is for the university of Texas and what I mean by ad drop, it's the last day to add or drop. An incoming class, uh, and I think that is the last day they can enroll as well.
2: Yeah, it's two weeks correct? from the two two weeks from the start of the semester, which began Tuesday the sixteenth. So January thirtieth is the last day to add drop.
1: Okay, we're going to move on here, and uh, let's take this one from R. Charnell. He says, "I turned forty eight today. Happy birthday, R. Charnell! You're always tuning in, so a big happy birthday to you." I have my health, my family, and the most material things I could ask for. But how about a nice portal recruit or defensive line coach or both today?
0: <laughs> I Look, happy birthday, first of all. Uh, I think that I want one of those things, too, by the way. Um, uh, look, uh, I don't think we're going to get a defensive line coach until after sa- Saturday or Sunday's games if a team loses. I think it's NFL, an NFL coach. Uh, And so we'll, we'll see from there exactly what happens. Uh, But that is my uh, estimation right now on the coach, as far as a player until certain players enter the portal uh, from Alabama, from Arizona, from Washington or wherever's next, right? Uh, Maybe Michigan is coming down the pike. I mean, if Jim Harbaugh keeps interviewing with every NFL team, you know, um, then, uh, then I think we need to look at it. But until that happens, uh, there's nobody in the portal right now on the D line that I that I as I understand it, as I understand it right now, uh, that has been greenlit to to go after and go after Jamari Caldwell was uh, at one point he's committed to Oregon. even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW report void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about Rick Bavro and Austin Underground. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I appreciate it, Blake. Uh, Rick is a good friend of the program and uh, he has been a good friend of the University of Texas as well. Uh, Austin underground since 2004 has specialized in difficult underground commercial installations. The team's engineering background gives Austin underground the ability to perform work. Other firms often consider too risky. Rick and his team offer an end to end client experience, including seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners. And most importantly, they produce solid quality work each and every time that's Austin underground. Give them
1: a try. Uh, Rick Vavro and his team at Austin Underground. I want to thank them for sponsoring each and every Thursday right here on On Texas Football. And we're going to take this next question from Paul Martinez. And Paul says, You guys mention wide receiver production all the time. How can the young wide receivers expect to get any meaningful production if veteran wide receivers are constantly being brought in over them?
2: Well, I think that's just a staple of Steve, Sar- Steve Sarkeesian's approach. He does not like having young receivers in. On the field, you know, I think Xavier Worthy is really that one guy that you can point to and say, Yeah, we saw a lot of youth from him very early in, in his career at Texas. When Sarkeesian got here, he had a, a third year Marcus Washington, a third year Jordan Whittington, he had a third year Joshua Moore. That that was really who he had hoped to build this offense around, it was just the emergence of Xavier Worthy that eventually and you know, the, the departure, the mid season departure of Joshua Moore that really allowed Xavier Worthy to. To, to really take over and become who he was at the time. And obviously that led into eventually who it was uh, the rest of his career. But Sarkeesian likes production. And he likes experience at the wide receiver position. Uh, we talked about it last night in long Longhorn live stream, Alabama in 2020 and uh, 2019 had four first round picks at wide receiver. You know, they had Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell, Devonte Smith, Henry Ruggs. Behind them was John Metchie who ended up going 44th overall. It's one of those things where it, He's going to give the nod to the upperclassmen because of the experience that they bring to the field. They know the the nuances of his offense. That's one of those things that he would prefer. This season specifically, with all these these three guys coming at the wide receiver spot, it is to bridge the gap from three true sophomores and four true freshmen at the wide receiver position. There's no one else. There's no one else aside from those seven wide receivers that Texas has at the wide receiver spot that... He expects to to groom and get ready for, you know, the, the 2025 season beyond, but that's going to take time. Wide receiver's not necessarily a spot where uh, you want a ton of of true freshmen unless they're, you know, physical freaks that cannot be guarding, like what we might see from Orion Wingo and what we what, what we did see from Xavier Worthy. So it's all about earning the trust of the Sarkeesian offense. And, and again, it, it's one of those things you just got to prove it. You know, it, it, it's bridging the gap this year, in my
0: eyes, to this group, Later on, I've got to I've got to say something that this and this goes to that larger topic of conversation, CJ and and Blake, that we were mentioning about bringing in guys that have more experience and you don't let the younger guys kind of blossom or bloom. Um, I think that this past year, what you had was a little bit different than what we've had other times. You had three guys that were just appreciably better than everybody else on the roster. You had Mitchell, Whittington, and Worthy. Now as good as Jonte Cook could be as a true freshman, he showed signs of being really good. He still lined up offsides one time on of the 100 or 50 to 60 snaps he got, he messed up. DeAndre Moore messed up, made some mental what they call ME's, mental errors. They tracked those in practice. Okay? You get knocks on you for having an ME, Okay. Um, The difference between the top three receivers and the next three receivers was a wide chasm. And I don't mean that as a negative to Jonte Cook, because I think Jonte Cook's an NFL player. Okay. He's just 18 or 19 years old compared to 21, 22 year old, you know, Jordan Whittington or even 23. Right. So my point is, is that that's where Sark doesn't mind trying to incubate and have them work on getting better as a receiver. He's got an NFL wide receivers coach right now, Chris Jackson, okay? He hired him from the Jaguars. They are getting trained and taught, okay, heavily. I don't think Texas has any – they they like – they they love John D. Cook, DeAndre Moore, okay? They're not trying to push them out the door, but they want survival of the fittest competition is key you know in the secondary right now yes they have these young guys coming but if they add muhammad they add another three-year starter in college football okay these freshman defensive back as good as they may be or as good as they can become they need to be brought along similarly to how derrick williams was brought along last year derrick williams has all the talent in the world right i think we we all agree with that okay But he doesn't need to be the priority defender day one. I mean, Caleb Downs was a great player for Alabama this year, right? Who did Xavier Worthy beat over the top for the first touchdown? And did that, in 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 all frankness, you know, if Alabama would have been left out of the playoff, those two touchdowns with Mer, with uh, Mitchell and Worthy beating Downs, who who would have... You know, play freshmen sometimes, that's good. They need to get experience, et cetera, but you run the risk of losing football games. Um, yep. And so I feel like you look at it that way, and I I have no problem with Sark's take. I actually think it's very healthy. They're not going whole hog in the uh, portal. I mean, what's A&M up to now, 18? 21. Something? Okay, yeah, 21 new players in the portal. Now, they, they may have needed it because their roster was – uh, picked apart. But the, the point being, Texas isn't doing this willy-nilly. They're doing it with a plan. And I I, I don't know that, that Sark won't use more receivers next year. Yep. Um, I, I, I don't know that we can say that definitively because, frankly, I don't think he's ever had that many receivers at Texas. And that's what I'm saying. Cook and Moore were not ready. You wanted them to be, but they were not ready.
1: That's how it is. Bobby, you mentioned Derek Williams a second ago, and that actually leads me to this next question from Archmania. He says, does Kobe Black and Derek Williams starter kid at corner instead of safety like Williams? Ooh, um, he's definitely big and physical, right, CJ?
0: Um, he's, he's like a bonus-sized uh, corner in that way. Very physical. He almost will make you think of Ryan Watts in a way. But I think he's more of a uh, more athletic than Ryan Watts, um, less. Uh, and Ryan's a good player, so don't don't take this the wrong way, but maybe less uh, stiff than Ryan at times. Uh, but Ryan has a, the experience level on him, so I, I would I would say that Kobe Black is not necessarily a starter kit like that. He's more of a man. I don't. How do you explain a big corner that's athletic? Um, you know what I mean by that? I, I don't, I'm trying to think of another big corner that's just hyper athletic. CJ, do you have anybody that you, you're thinking of?
2: Not off the top of my head. With Kobe specifically, I think there's still a lot of room for him to grow athletically and physically, which is encouraging because you see the tape and you see the ratings and you're like, all right, like this kid looks like he can play very early on in his career. And then you see him in person without the pads and the. And, and the, the jersey's on, and you're like, all right, you know, there's still room for him to fill out and, and, and mature physically. And that's encouraging to me. I think with uh, Derek Williams, there's a little bit more true athletic, athleticism that was shown right away uh, from, from a football perspective. A little bit quicker in terms of diagnosing things and – I'm not sure if you'll see that right away with Kobe black, but again, if you can get him into a full weight room, a full off season slew of workouts, you're going to see big time changes to his body that you don't see right now as a result of just not having the resources to go out and, you know, eat, you know, work out, sleep, add everything in together and you're going to see completely new Kobe black by the summer. So that's encouraging, but, I, I like what you said about the big body that can move at the cornerback position. There aren't many of them. I thought Texas really coveted what they had in Ryan Watts, obviously being 6'2 and a 6'3", and being able to cover as, you know, as well as he did. I know that it didn't necessarily end on a break note, but I did think he was a pretty solid corner for Texas uh, during his time here. That, those, are, those are rare, and so you got to take care of those guys.
1: We're going to continue on with the defensive talk here. Shane Duffy says, do you guys expect the strength of the defense to flip this year from run defense to pass defense, given the personnel changes? I think so. I think that that's what CJ
0: and I have kind of talked about. And how do you deal with that is the question. And how does it become a strength? Well, adding Makuba, getting Jade Barron back, uh, perhaps adding Jabbar Muhammad. That's a start. Adding a Kendrick Blackshire that can play the run against uh, a downhill running attack at linebacker, that helps. Uh, getting a Trey Moore that can pass rush uh, so you can actually create some third and longs as opposed to just uh, second and third and mediums, uh, that helps. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think to win, Texas is going to have to be able to stop the run more. Uh, they can't just go from... And I, and I don't think like Texas isn't barren at the defensive line spot in the interior, but they're not strong. Uh, it, they're not as strong as they need to be right now. They would be lower middle uh, uh, of the sec. If you looked at their, if you looked at the NFL potential of those guys compared to, I don't know, Kentucky, Kentucky will have better interior guys running on its roster than Texas. So Think about that for a little bit from an NFL. I don't care about star rankings and all this other stuff. Talking about true NFL type caliber. Uh, And so I I feel like there's a level where Texas has to get to. And I think the portal may be the only way they get there this year. You're still going to, even if you try to refocus the defense on stopping the pass, that's great. At the end of the day, if you can't stop the run, good luck. You got to hold on to your hat. Because you don't know what's going to happen to you each week. And I as good as Texas could be on offense this year, I think they, they want more from their defense in that
1: regard. And they're gonna have to find it through the portal, I think. And then Clinton wants to know could we be looking at moving to a three three five or a three two six look?
2: I don't think so. I don't I don't think there's a need. Texas was just the number seventeen team in the country in scoring defense after being top twenty-five a year before that. And that's with some significant overhaul in the on that Texas secondary and and inside the you know, we we forget you lose Anthony Cook, you lose some pieces in the secondary, you lose more Ojimo, and you lose uh Uh, uh, Keandre Coburn, you're sitting there thinking, All right, now now what's the strength? Well, it's just the next guy up in the sense that you got to trust your position coaches and trust Pete Kwiatkowski to have a good game plan in store. And I thought for the most part this season, there was a good game plan in store, and that was you know mostly reliant on the talent that he had, in which they trusted the system, they're familiar with the system. That's one thing that we talk about is the continuity of the coaches that Texas has had the assistant coaches, position coaches, whatever it is. We're seeing a little bit of a shakeup right now, obviously but being able to keep the same scheme and and game plan in place uh, is huge for these guys to develop. When you're learning, when you're spending time, you know, learning brand new systems, it's taking away the time that you could be learning a new pass rush technique or uh, a a new block shedding, uh, uh, you know, whatever it might be. So keeping the same, uh, you know, approach defensively is very important to me. I think, you know, you don't, you don't, fix what isn't broken and right now the texas defense schematically is is pretty sound
1: all right y'all we're gonna take a step away from the defensive talk for a minute we'll come back to it but i want to bring this up something i tweeted out this morning texas athletic department reported an annual revenue of 271 million dollars for 2023 that's an ncaa record and a 32 million dollar increase from 2022 According to USA Today, it's the largest single year total since schools began reporting to the NCAA in 2005. And by category, the Horn's largest year over year increases were 11 million in contributions, which rose to nearly 86 million, 10.2 million in money from sponsorships, licensing, royalties, and advertising, which totaled 54.7 million, and then 5.7 million in ticket sales. Which has moved the needle up to 63.3 million, but a record breaking year for the athletic department, NCAA record, $271 million in 2023. What's y'all's thoughts on that? Uh, How about revenue share for the players? (laughs)
0: That's, (laughs) That's, I mean, think about it that way. No, I mean, Chris Del Conte, the first thing I actually thought of was, Chris Del Conte has done a hell of a job. That's, I mean, right. That's his job is to do exactly what is put forth there, as well as provide a product on the field that the University of Texas can, uh, uh, and, and on the court and on the soccer pitch and on the baseball diamond or softball diamond, et cetera. His job is to drive revenue, graduate and, and provide uh, good good situations for student-athletes, Um, And then uh, win. Uh, And my thought process on the the University of Texas athletic program is Steve is Chris Del Conte deserves a hell of a lot of credit for all of those things, as do people behind the scenes. I mean, I want to say that. I mean, it's not just Chris Del Conte. He'll he'll be the first person to tell you it's not just him. Um, And so I feel like, you know, this yes, football drove a lot of that. And, and the the, the uh, uh, success that football had drove it, uh, but a lot of that stuff was done before. I mean, ticket sales didn't change. Five point three million this year. That changed after they went eight and five, right? What are they going to be next year? What's going to be the year to come, right? Um, I, I I continue to be impressed with not only with Chris Del Conte, but President Jay Hartzell and Kevin Eltife, the chair of the Board of Regents. At the University of Texas, they're up in Bill's right. They're up upgrading the athletic program across the board. Uh, there's gonna they're bringing in new sports. We think, uh, by the way, and we'll see what exactly what that means in the near future. Uh, but I'm I'm overall very impressed with where Texas is headed. Um, I, I I look at it and say to myself, this is a, this is a huge business. Uh, they're running it like a huge business in some ways, and some people don't like that but I I gotta be honest. I mean, it's, it's the world we live in. Um, And so I, I think it's great that Texas is, is, uh, executing its plan and monetizing uh, the fandom that there is. I mean, that's, that's part of it. People enjoy Texas football. They're willing to go pay $4 for a soda at at a football game. Right. (laughs) Or they're willing to go buy a Longhorn hat like me, you know? Um, And so, that's that's part of the fun of being a fan. You know, it's it, it just is what it is. And I'm I'm glad the, that Texas is doing well. And hats off to Chris Del Conte and his group. Because it's not just Chris. I mean, there's 50 employees there that are, are uh, having different uh, avenues. Uh, sponsorship sales. Great job. Eleven million bonus on that in one year. That's an amazing
1: increase. So uh, hats off to those guys. Okay, guys, well, we will get back to questions here in just a second. And by the way, plenty of time to get your questions in. So please do so. And of course, we'll get to as many as we can. But before we move on, I need to tell everybody out there about Prize Picks. And Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money, daily fantasy sports game. You simply pick between two to six players, and if they'll go more or less than their Prize Picks projection. It's just you versus the projections available instead of battling thousands of other players. It's really simple to play. It takes almost no time. I can make my pick, submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. And what I love about PrizePix is that it adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. You can watch your progress update in real time. You can win up to 25 times your entry amount, and you can easily cash out your winnings with quick withdrawals. All you have to do is go to prizepix.com slash on Texas, use promo code on Texas, and they're going to give you a first deposit match of up to $100. And this weekend, I'm all over the NFL playoffs. Um, I have Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson passing for over 227 yards, and Houston Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud to pass for less than 245. So, to join me in those picks, you just go to PrizePicks.com/slash-on-Texas. Use that promo code on Texas, get that first deposit match of up to $100, and make your picks. It's that simple. And that's Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I wouldn't be so sure about picking against uh CJ Stroud. <laughs> I know. I
0: think just barely under Bobby. Just barely. I mean, I'm serious now. That dude's got some.
1: He's got a little swagger. That offense has some swagger. <laughs> no doubt about it. For sure. I I like I said, I think just barely under, like That's maybe fair. 10 to 15 yards. So click close, but not not there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they,
0: guys like Price Picks and all these other fan. I, they have there's a reason the,
1: the number's set at the number. I get it. It's just I, I think he's on a roll. Look, uh, look at the manual here. He won $200 this past weekend on prize picks. There you go, Emmanuel. Good job. <laughs> All right, y'all. We're going to move on here. Still lots of questions about the defense, so we're going to get back into that. And, Bobby, I'm going to let you answer this one. Uh, Coach, says, do you guys think this new defense is going to look anything like the 2005 defense? Man, what a loaded defensive backfield. Uh,
0: man, that was. Just, I mean, you're right. I mean, Aaron Ross didn't start <laughs> in 2005 and he won the Thorpe and was a first round pick the next year. Um, I, I don't know that it's going to be that way. I think they'll be better at certain spots, actually. Like, I think they'll be better at linebacker. Um, Aaron Harris and Aaron Bobino were your starting linebackers on that team, right? Um, yeah. Anthony Hill is going to be a potential first round pick long term. Uh, I think that 2005 defense, even with Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke, I mean, I think Tim Crowder and Brian Robeson played what five years in the NFL and 13, uh, then you had three first round picks in the set. I, no, I don't, I don't think it's that talented. Uh, maybe it is more like it. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's as talented as that team. Yeah. I'm with you on that one.
1: That one's just Women loaded <laughs> at every position. Well, I mean, like.
0: you know, how do you equate, how do you account for, um, I don't know, a guy like Terrell Brown and Cedric Griffin as your corners that both had three years starting experience, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one was a second rounder, one was a third or fourth rounder. And then you had Michael Griffin and Michael Huff, both top 20. Or one was a, sev- I think, seventh overall or fifth overall, the other is 19 or 20. Aaron Ross coming off the bench. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. That's ridiculous. crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, interior had Frank Oakham, Rod Wright. They had they had some guys now.
1: Yeah, just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah and depth, depth like crazy. Yeah. All right, guys, I, we're gonna talk about this from King Me. He says, can any of can you see any of our defensive ends capable of moving to defensive tackle if we luck out in the portal? man no because
0: it's like you i mean you and i just thought it probably saw the same name it's jerry bledsoe jerry bledsoe might be able to kick out to defensive end if he doesn't gain enough weight but he can't he's already at defensive tackle um and i don't see any of the defensive ends like jamon taps not going to get up to 290 right you know that that's the that's the problem um I don't see that. They need another big interior. They need a, what they really need is a big spring from Sudhir Mitchell. You know, they, that could, that could do a huge favor to Texas, but we'll see if it happens. That's hope is not a plan uh, or hope is not a strategy.
1: Which actually leads me to this next question from William Neach. Anyone concerned with the defensive tackle position? We need some positive news from that position. What's y'all's concern level at, if any?
2: I think I have a little less concern at the moment than Bobby. I know Bobby's you know expressed some concern. Obviously, that's the biggest question mark. I think we both agree on that. But Texas has, you know, Alfred Collins who has been around for, for four and a half years now. Vernon Broughton's, you know, been a contributor for at least three years as well. So it's not like there won't be you know pieces there that Texas can work with. There, there is, you know, there is some experience. There is some talent. We saw good things from Vernon Broughton taking a step into a pretty uh, heavily rotational role this year. We know what Alfred Collins can be. Now that you see him as the main guy for the first time this year, you obviously hope that the flip is switched completely, but Uh, Texas did rotate Dre Bledsoe and Aaron Bryant probably anywhere from five to 15 snaps per game towards the end of the season. Uh, Obviously, Aaron Bryant was on the field in the Washington game, one of only five guys on the interior to see snaps. Uh, So there is confidence there. Who's after that? That's where the concern comes in. And you can't play a season with just four interior defensive linemen. Like Bobby said, it's going to have to be a big spring forward this spring for Sadir Mitchell. That's exactly what it has to be. It would be great if Alex January could hit the ground running as well as now the only interior defensive lineman in the 2024 class. So, yes, I do think that it is the biggest question mark when you look holistically at the positions on both sides of the ball. But I'm not I, – I wouldn't say I'm necessarily the, the, you know the, the position is doomed. I wouldn't say that. I think that there is some pieces to work with. But, yes, there needs to be another piece added from the portal for me to feel comfortable about it. Right now, I would say my comfortability uh, level with the positions is probably around a four and a half or five. And I think if that's the lowest I have about any position on the field, I feel good about what Texas is going to bring to the table from a, a holistic standpoint going into the
0: SEC. Mine's, my, mine is a little bit different. I just feel like the, the run game in the SEC is so important. I do feel a little bit less certain. And I... And the problem I have, CJ, is that Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton, while both I thought played better this year and did come on and were more uh, complete players, their strengths, neither of their strengths come against the run. Correct. You agree with that? Yep. And so that's the concern I have. Um, Jure Bledsoe, I don't even think he's suited up for the Oklahoma State game. Um, and the reason why is because he's considered – more of a pass rusher as well. So they, want, they went with Aaron Bryant and Trill Carter as part of their uh, roster. So th- that's a concern. The run stopping is a concern. Um, it, you know, are we overdoing it or overanalyzing it? Maybe. But my my contention that right now with what they have coming back, they're in the lower half of the SEC at defensive tackle. I think, at least from a run-stopping perspective, is true.
1: And let's talk Sadir Mitchell. Rudy says, Sadir Mitchell is a big body, obviously dominant in high school. When do you think he's going to show that in college?
2: It would be great if it was this year. (laughs) We just talked about (laughs) needing guys to eat space in the run game. No one eats space uh, better than a guy that's 360 pounds. So, that would be great. Uh there there's still, you know, a work in progress with Sadir. You know, you walk into the building. It doesn't take uh it, it's not an overnight process for, you know, a guy that big to get his body physically right with the tools necessary to get on the field that often. Look at I mean, we just watched it with a uh, Tavondre Sweat, and I know his body was much different coming in out of high school, but to get physically ready to play so often and be as impactful as you hope to be on the defensive line, it takes time. And that's why we talk about going out to the portal, getting someone with experience and production on the field. But Sadir Mitchell, you got to get your body right, and then you got to see it on the field with that new body shape, uh, You know tendencies that you've got at the position, whatever it might be. Uh, this spring, as we've mentioned, is going to have to be a big step forward for anything that we hope to see Sadir Mitchell do on the field this fall. And so I'm, I'm excited for it. I think he has the tools to eventually be a very important piece of a Texas defense if it comes this year, I think you're you're very much ahead of schedule there.
1: All uh, right, Bobby. Yesterday you talked about believing Rod Wright may be, may be the new uh, defensive tackle coach. And Jose Rodriguez says, "What do you say to the crowd that doesn't give Wright any coaching respect? They say he's just an assistant DL coach, and that's their main talking point. Just." just-
0: <laughs> I, my point is, he's not just anything. I mean, you know, don't don't try to. So look, he's been at UTSA, he's been at Miami, he's been with the Texans, he's been other places as well. Started off as a grad assistant. He played at Texas. He played the position at the NFL level. Um, he's not just anything. That's that's number one. Uh, and so, uh, if anybody feels that way, I I, I would caution them on that. Um, I don't know that it's going to be Rod Wright, by the way. Um, I think people may be mistook. I think he is one of the people that I've heard was under consideration. Um, I don't know if he'll end up being the guy, though. Um, I I've, Look, I do believe it's going to be an NFL guy at this point. If it were going to be a college guy, he, he would have already been hired. I do think that they uh, considered Freddie Roach of Alabama until Freddie Roach at Alabama was retained. And so, in the last four or five days, they—I think—they Sark has solidified his decision and gone forward. Right now, I'm—I've looked at nearly every roster, uh, coaching roster in the NFL, trying to figure out things. Um, the coaching community is pretty tight-lipped on this situation right now, which I find interesting. So, I think it's either going to be Rod Wright or kind of a wow hire. That's my. Like you know that that's where I'm at on it right now.
2: If I can add a a quick note on rod white uh right in the sense of what he's been able to do for the Texans this year as you know uh in a, a a defensive line coach for in Houston. I know a lot of folks want this big splashy name hire. you want the the guy that has recruiting skins on the wall, production in the NFL, whatever it might be, you look at what Chris Jackson did for the Jaguars. Two years ago, with his receiving core, they added Calvin Ridley this year, and somehow the receivers got worse. I don't think that's a coincidence. You look at what Coach Wright has done for the Texans this past year, especially in this the you know run stopping. Texans allowed the second fewest yards per attempt of any team in the NFL, three point five. They also allowed the sixth fewest yards per game, uh, rushing the game, rushing the ball the, for an entire game at just over ninety six. That's impressive. That's impressive.
0: Hey, I've got some breaking news. Uh, So here we go. I'm being told uh, that uh, the University of Texas went and visited with Amari Niblack yesterday, Jeff Banks, the tight ends coach, after Niblack went in the portal. Uh, Just like Texas went and visited with uh, Isaiah Bond immediately after uh, being in the portal, I'm being told that Texas, uh, I told you all, uh, we reported earlier that there was some reciprocation there. It sounds like Texas went and Jeff Banks, the tight ends coach at the university of Texas visited with Nye Black yesterday. That's that means that things are definitely heating up. Not just hey, there's a, you know, Kumbaya, uh, Texas and, and Amari Nye Black uh, apparently getting very serious at this point. Again, uh, CJ said, we're looking for a decision from him probably in the next week to two weeks it has to be by january 30th if if it's going to be texas because that's the last day to enroll in school
2: yeah i would look for it a little earlier
0: yes i think we both are yep that's some
1: big news there drop bobby no doubt about that uh we have a question from lee barden he says do you do you all know if texas payment to the big 12 comes from the 271 million or other sources or do they simply withhold it from Texas by the Big 12 during payout later this year? I think he's talking about the exit fee. Uh, there, dude, I don't think there's an a exit fee attached. Like a true
0: exit fee. I think that they negotiated that out with the uh, new, new uh, agreement with Fox. Okay. I don't think there's a huge exit fee like everybody thought there would be. Like te- this whole Texas is going to pay $100 million to leave. That didn't happen, guys. I'm, I'm told that for sure. I mean, you, somebody needs to go and do the, do the uh, math and run, run all the traps uh, with the you know, FOIA requests, et cetera. But I'm told Texas didn't pay a huge amount of money to leave the Big 12. Interesting. They used existing contracts with by moving up the Michigan game to Michigan this year, this coming year,
1: as opposed to four years from now. Same with Ohio State, et cetera. And Kathy just said, I recall seeing an article that it kind of washed out as both parties saw it in their best interest. Yep. So there you go. Okay, guys, this next question here, uh, Bobby, you just mentioned Nye Black, but Darius wants to know, is Texas interested in Matthew Hidner, the tight end from Michigan? He's the highest rated portal tight end on 24-7 Sports, which I didn't think he even had career catches, or if he did, not many. CJ, you have any, any comments is CJ says
2: He has two career catches. I think with what Texas has proven to show in their pursuit of portalers, it's they want production and they want guys that have had experience on the field. I don't think uh, he necessarily fits that bill.
0: I will say this, getting on the field at Michigan at tight end has been tough. I'm told that their sophomore tight end uh, on the national championship team is a first round draft pick. He's likely the first tight end next year. So maybe there's that CJ, but I, to your point, I don't think Texas is going to take a flyer that, like that on an unproven commodity.
2: Yep.
1: Okay. And then we are going to move on to this next question from Edward Costley. He says, can NIL serve a de facto scholarship as they work around for the 85 cap? I think it did this past year for Burt
0: Auburn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it can. You know, I mean, whatever that amount is. I mean, I, it's not dollar for dollar or whatever. But Burt Auburn certainly had multiple NIL deals this this year. That may be because of his hair as much as his kicking ability. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think that he was not on scholarship as
1: far as I know. And then Douglas Mayfield, is it possible we redshirt some of these guys if there seems to be a crowded room and a position, especially corner? Um, But I'm going to add on to that. Who do you all see in the incoming class that is a good candidate for a redshirt? make you think for a minute
2: i would say all of the offensive linemen
1: well
0: <laughs> you you're, you're such a turkey you take the easy way out cj i, mean, yeah, I, saw,
2: I saw an easy opportunity to score points and i did it that, that. hey quarterback quarterback yeah put them on <laughs> put them on right retro at, at, at the secondary spot i'm looking at i i think you will see guys like santana wilson wardell mack i think Anytime you have the opportunity to red shirt, why not take it? You know, this is going to be one of those things where you have the opportunity to keep a guy for an extra year, do it. Uh, if they are contributing and there are guys that you see fit for special teams, throw them out there, let them be a difference maker. We saw that with Trey Wisner this year. He was one of the, probably the best gunner that Texas had on kickoff. If they are able to, and you know, willing to get on the field via special teams, let them do it. Uh, but I think, uh, I'd look at linebacker, Ty Anthony Smith, probably another option. He, Texas had, you know, they had five guys I this past think year. He's
0: gonna be a, don't you think he's a candidate for special teams? I
2: if think there's be. work that work to his body that needs to be done. He looked pretty thin, pretty skinny in San Antonio this past, uh, two weekends ago. I, I thought it surprised me a little bit to the to the point where I thought maybe a red shirt could fit him just a little bit better
0: interesting I, I I've got uh I've got a couple I, I think that uh Freddie debose still rehabbing a knee injury uh and CJ he's he's a mid-year guy that we weren't counting as a mid-year guy I don't know that we've mentioned that before right right um right. he is on campus yeah Freddie debose uh he had a knee injury his junior year uh, sat out he returned his senior year but still a little hobbled we think. So I, I, I suspect a uh, red shirt there from him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Washington redshirted. Uh If uh, if indeed he uh, if they get an Amari Nye Black or a Ben Eurosek. Uh, so those those are the kind of guys that we're talking about uh, right now.
2: What, what do you think about a Jordan Johnson Rubell? Where, where do you see his fit for, you know, as a true freshman?
0: So I I see him. They recruited him to play safety and nickel. He's a smaller nickel, a smaller safety. Um, but I, I all of these DBs, CJ, and I think this goes for every single one of them. Um, unless you've really scouted them in seven on seven, you don't know how well they communicate in the secondary in uh, in in high school football. Yep. Um, it is an un it is unproven and uh, people want to say this guy's a five-star, this guy's a four-star, yada, yada, yada. I mean, all of those things, right? How well those guys communicate and react uh, in the, in the a blink of an eye matters as much or more than their athletic ability. So I worry like whenever you start talking about Xavier feels to 10, meter. Great. Okay. How does he react in a in a blink of an eye? Well, if yeah. Jordan Johnson Rebel reacts quicker, that that's meaningful to me. Um, and so, uh, I, I it's not just stats that are yeah. Yeah. easily identifiable traits. And so, I don't know on DBs right now it, until they get in, and that's why spring it's awesome to see all these guys in spring, CJ, because you're gonna know right. You know,
2: it's the old case study of a Tyler Owens, where you have, you know, the immeasurables, you have the track, you got all everything that you want for a prototypical safety. And then the snaps, you know, go live and you're wondering, all right, maybe this isn't the right spot, or maybe it's going
1: to take a lot longer than you thought. All right, y'all, before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody once again about Rick Vavro and Austin Underground. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Rick and his team at Austin Underground have been specializing in
0: difficult underground commercial installations since 2004. The team's engineering background gives Austin Underground the ability to perform work other firms often consider too risky. Rick and his team offer an end-to-end client experience, including seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners. And most importantly, they produce solid quality work each and every time. That's Austin Underground. Uh, Austin Underground and Texas Road, we appreciate your sponsorship of Coffee
1: and Football every Thursday morning. Okay, guys, we're going to move on here. And uh, there was one question. Oh, Isaiah Stewart, he says, what was y'all's favorite part of this past season? If you had to pick one moment. What would it be? It's tough. Cause there was,
2: I mean, it was a fun season, right? I mean, Texas won a lot of football games. I thought it was a really fun year. I remember walking out of the stadium after the Kansas state game, just thinking how in the world did Texas win that game? <laughs> that was that, that to me is probably the most vivid memory I have of the, of the, of the season. Just the pure, you know, kind of awe of just like how, how, <laughs> you know, why are, why, how's the season still alive? Cause for, you know, the last hour and a half of that game, it just never felt like Texas was going to be able to hold on to it. And then they did in almost a miraculous fashion. I remember leaving, sitting there just like.
0: What? I, <laughs> I look, I, I felt like, I mean, Texas beat them with their backup quarterback. Okay. Um, and with uh, completely messing up two, twice inside the, the K-State red zone, um, a blocked punt, you know, and Texas still won. Um, my uh, my favorite was exactly – that's it. The Burgermeister has it. The A.D. Mitchell catch in the TCU game felt like it was uh, – it felt like, okay, this team is a team of destiny. We thought it might be this whole time, okay? But I felt like then and there, it was the uh, stamp of approval. It was then that we knew, okay, we're legit. This is going somewhere. That that was my, my favorite. Uh, anything to deal with Brett Yormark's face, that was good. He couldn't say St- Sarkeesian's name. That's how bad Brett Yormark was. Um, but that... And there's so many good ones. Uh, The uh, uh, the other one that was was pretty great. I think was Alabama. Um, Just a lot of a a lot of great moments. But my favorite one, uh, Kansas State was close. By the way, Uh, that that was really close. But my favorite one, I think, has to be A.D. Mitchell. That was that was it for me. All right,
1: so we're gonna move on. What what
0: about yours, Blake?
1: uh, uh, Ah, what was yours? Man. I would have to say, I mean, obviously, that there's, and like CJ said, there's so many good ones, and it's it's really hard to nail down one, but honestly, I kind of think it's it's beating Tech in the fashion they did after so much noise at the beginning of the season. Going back to last year's Tech game, if I told you they would break, y'all, you know, and it was just such a buildup, then you had the, the comments from your mark, and then you know, when he was in Lubbock saying the stuff that he did and, you know, so much hype around Tech to begin the season, which quickly went off the rails uh, after that Wyoming loss. But, you know, it was like it all came full circle right Right there. Um, so that that would probably be a man beating Alabama at Alabama in the fashion they did. That's up there, too. Um, I don't know. There there are just so many to pick. From. I don't think you can go wrong with any of the answers that, that y'all said or that we put up on the screen there. So it a fun season, a very fun season for the no most doubt
2: part. Let's do it again.
1: <laughs> okay, guys. So this next question yeah. from Dennis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from Dennis. He says we have an excess of big humans on the offensive line that may never get on the field. Any chance one or two of those guys gets asked to move to a different position, especially the interior defensive line.
0: I'm trying to decipher
1: DJ Campbell would be
0: a DJ Campbell could play interior defensive line. If he wanted to, (laughs) Uh, I don't think they're moving him though. Neto. I don't think is a a defensive guy. Um, Cam Williams could play it, but I think that, I mean, I think that I'm like with CJ on that. I think he may be a first round NFL pick. Yep. Um, He's just so huge and moves people so easily. Connor Stroh. I, I don't know. I don't think that that, that's not a normal move. You see more of the opposite direction. Defensive line going to offense than you do offense to defense.
1: Yeah. Yep. And then Todd Lacey wants to know about Zach Swanson. Any word on him? What's being said about him behind the scenes? That's not a name that comes up too much. No, it's not. Uh, You know, I I did
0: get a chance to talk to some people post uh, uh, Bo Davis leaving. Uh, the word on Zach Swanson is that he's a good football player. He He's just not big enough right now. He, he is a defensive tackle in a defensive end's body. And that is a problem. Um, and so uh, it doesn't mean that he's a bad player or a bad teammate or any of that other stuff, because he's not. He's a good player. He just has to keep gaining weight, and we don't know if his body can actually take him there to get big enough. If it
1: can, he's gonna be a player, but that's an if. Now one other guy that we're gonna ask about from Ray Peters says Darien Gallette ripped up his knee before a senior citizen or senior season and has been rehabbing for two plus years. Any behind-the-scenes updates on his progress? Obviously, a very well thought-of recruit. Uh Ray Peters, our Wednesday night host. Thank you for asking that. Um, hey, I,
0: I've got to say this. Uh uh, yes, Darian Gillette has had uh, numerous mentions to me uh, from behind the scenes as yep. having a, one of the stars that people really didn't see in this uh, recruiting class. If that makes sense, Jelani McDonald's been another. Uh, I've mentioned a couple of these. Trey Wisner had been behind the scenes and then had a, a, a nice little uh, dash out there at the end of the year. But Gallette was one of the guys that I think people are thinking might end up being a real player for Texas.
1: Okay, y'all, this will be the final question as we got to get out of here a little early today. And uh, it's going to be kind of a softball question. Phil McIntosh, no pun intended. Uh, Phil McIntosh says, "No new type of question. What sport do y'all keep up with the most other than football? Is it Texas baseball, Texas basketball, tennis, softball, or something else? I think we're all different. Yeah. Aren't, aren't we? Like, Blake, you love baseball, right? Yeah, Texas baseball, hands down, like, almost as much as football yeah what about you what about you cj I,
2: I really enjoy basketball i think basketball is kind of that that sport where you get the most kind of you know i get to poke at you know my buddies back at home or whatever it might be after a big win on the road or whatever i think you get that a little bit more uh, at least closer to football than uh than baseball in my eyes um baseball you obviously you get three game series against these teams uh basketball you know it it. It, it, it resonates a little bit more with me, oddly enough, but I was a big baseball player growing up. So uh going out to the dish is one of my favorite things to do. I, I don't know. Whatever team wins, just, just keep winning.
0: <laughs> That's a good thing about Texas. There are a lot of them. Um, I've always been a, a, a baseball, basketball guy, maybe in that order at Texas, because I did enjoy, when I was in school, going out to watch the games at the dish. That was just a, a fun thing to do on a Friday afternoon. Um Uh, But I will say volleyball has quickly amped into that or ramped into that thing because my daughter played high school volleyball and club volleyball growing up. So I started liking the sport and to see what Texas has done in volleyball and the athleticism of some of those women uh, is impressive to me. But uh, look, I mean, football, it's called on Texas football and coffee and football for a reason. Uh, That's my my first love for sure.
1: Okay, Bobby, before we get out of here, let folks know what they can expect later today right here on On Texas Football. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Football Theory coming
0: up with Bob Shipley and uh, Rod Babers. uh, People are quickly, that's becoming a weekly favorite. That's uh, sponsored by Laura Baker of Keller Williams. Uh, We also have some more news and notes that might be popping today. Uh, We just mentioned er moments ago that Amari Niblack, I want to repeat this, Amari Niblack, the tight end, uh, out of Alabama, was visited yesterday by Jeff Banks. Uh, the Texas tight ends coach uh, in uh, in uh, his home state of uh, Florida, we believe. Uh, so that's uh, Jeff Banks visiting with Amari Nyblack. Any kind of news about another potential visitor, come again this weekend. We'll be sure to pop on. Uh, make sure you guys have the latest information.
1: All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Coffee and Football. We want to thank Rick Valvro and Austin Underground, um, along with Prize Picks, for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for tuning in and the great questions. Lots of good discussion today. No doubt about that. Thank you for the super chats. And be ready. Possible breaking news at any given time. So there's no better time than now to subscribe and ring that bell so you're notified anytime we go live with breaking news or just post a video in general. So for CJ Vogel and Bobby. Wait, wait, Burton, wait, wait, wait. one
0: last thing. Don't forget about Jabbar Muhammad, too. That's another possibility. We he is slated to visit Alabama tomorrow. I use the term slated. Let's see what happens in the next 24 hours.
1: There you go. All right. So yeah, ring the bell. I mean you got to ring the bell. That's the, but yeah, for CJ Vogel and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook them.